and thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love, though, is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the 6570, those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports, it guides, it laughs, it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to NellieHarden.com slash community. Again, that's NellieHarden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project, let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project podcast, you guys. Wow, have I got a treat for you today. Dana Kaplan, this interview that I am about to share with you was so moving and captivating to me, bringing emotional intelligence into the educational mindset and space of our families and our children. Dana is an award-winning early childhood and gifted educator and social emotional intelligence expert pioneering the DEIAB in action from the womb throughout life's journey, from preparing parents how to reframe their inner dialogue, even while pregnant, to facilitating and planning all critical assessments in those early academic years, richly interactive professional development for children and adults. And it really, her work goes into all areas. She leads through the lens of curiosity, 
providing a safe and accessible space for all to gather with intentional wonder. Love that Dana organically propels learners and families with highly effective communication skills for critical and possibly uncomfortable conversations. How many of those do we have to have as parents? Just had three of them yesterday, right? We have to have, and one this morning, (laughs) we always have to have those and we need the skills to do that. Uh, She works in uh, facilitating and unleashing vulnerability, inviting self-acceptance, increasing confidence, and fostering self-compassion. This conversation is going to be one of those small pivots that you actually have in life. I know it was for me. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay, you guys, I'm so excited. As you have heard all of the amazing things about our speaker today, and she is coming to us, Dana Kaplan. I am so excited to have you here first and foremost. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I love when we can find communities that want to thrive together. And so thank you for creating one. Oh, thank you. Um, So I want to just jump into it today because I, you guys, even before we pressed record today, we have been talking and chatting and we're like, oh, wait, wait, we should actually record something here because it's so much gold and so great uh, what we're going back and forth with. And so I want to jump into it because we have a lot to cover today and tell me a little bit, I, you're obviously an educational and emotional intelligence leader to families, to communities. And I want to know how that all came to be and where did that come from in your life? So I, I've always been a trailblazer in everything that I've done. I've never fit into a box. Um, and for many times in my life, I, I thought there was something quote unquote wrong with me because I was thinking so far ahead of the game, but like not able sometimes to put words to it or to put like the language around it. So when I am from the deep South and I have recently been seeing the impact of keeping quiet about things that happen in your life. And so I, over the past couple of years of real, especially during the pandemic and especially around um, the, the reality that we have to be open and vulnerable and honest with people about our own journeys in order for them to know they're not alone. So I started telling people about my childhood and I am from the deep South, I'm from Columbus, Georgia and I am Jewish and I'm white. And so, you know, you see the white privilege but you don't know unless you ask me what happened. Um, and I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism and racism and bigotry and it was very hurtful. And, um, and I had no one to talk to about it. I didn't even know how to talk about it. Um, and I felt like school needed to do more for me. And I, I felt like school needed to be a safer place for me. And I also, in the meantime, so here it is, I'm dealing with these emotional, like uncomfortable, like scenarios that I don't even know what to do about, right? So that's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, my learning, I learned differently, but we didn't know that, right? I was never tested. There was nothing going on, but, you know, in a traditional setting, I am the teacher. I tell you what you have to do. I tell you how you learn, go for it. But that's not real. That's not reality. And so as an educator, I, I, I decided to become an educator because I wanted to change things. I wanted not that it was broken. It's what we knew. 
but I wanted to come in and see what would happen if we did something different because everyone's trying to consistently come in and fix. There's nothing to fix. We don't even know what to fix. We don't even know what it is until we stop and look at it and ask questions. And we're not asking questions. So let me just come in. But what I did though, is because I was so curious about my own learning and so curious about my own emotional awareness that I realized that it's the foundation for everything and everyone that I work with. So when I went into education in kindergarten, it's my heart and soul. And I, I taught kindergarten pre-K and then I've also taught all the way up to postgraduate students. Everything I do starts with emotional intelligence. It starts with who am I? What do I think about myself? How do I feel about myself? What do I see in myself, right? And there's so many components essential ingredients to actually learning about who you are. And that self-awareness is what propels you in your learning, which propels you in your socialization. It propels you in all spaces and places. And schools were not doing that beforehand. And so when I went into my first year of teaching, it was all about building a community. It was holding a space where everyone felt like they belonged. And I'm using words that are now catchphrases, belonging, accessing, included, right? And here it is, now we have an actual acronym for it. But at 23, I'm coming in saying, using these words and already knowing how important they were. And now, fast forward 20 years into teaching, and now we are still missing the mark because now we have to have an actual acronym for it. We actually have to have programs for what's still not happening and the programs are not being followed. So for me to go into education, it was bigger than what I ever imagined. And it was more about the child's development and the child thriving and removing labels and limits from children than, than anything. And what I discovered is that I went from being what I thought a class, a lifelong classroom teacher to a retired classroom teacher and a lifelong educator in the world. Because ultimately we have to create a space for kids to be able to feel like they can access material, access spaces, feel included, feel like there's an equity going on where they can use their voice and ask for what they need for that rich sense of belonging. Because we live in a very diverse world, but that's not gonna do anything for us if we don't know how to get into the game. And so that's, that's where I am today and, and, and the passions and the purpose behind my work. Wow. Now, your own family that you, that you have, how has that, I'm just so curious because I know in my own journey, as I have gone from, you know, where I was in, you know, science and, and studying whales, you know, where I was then, and then where I went and then I've been studying humans. Um, well, I studied them before, but really working with humanity and, uh, and families, especially for the last 10, 15 years. And when in my own family, in our own home, it's just been this evolution of things. Like I don't recognize the mother that I was to my two-year-old as the mother that I am to my 16-year-old today, you know? And it's just so, so funny to see that. Um, ironic, I guess is a better, is a better word there, but how has all of this really shaped your experience? How has it shaped your family experience? 
It has actually been, I love that question, so thank you. Um, it's been really interesting. So my parents, um, so uh, what you see is an award-winning educator that made massive impact in Atlanta, Georgia, and then made massive impact in New York City. But that classroom teacher was only talking about feeling anxious at times or having test anxiety or, um, you know, talking about my learning. I wasn't actually talking about my emotional state that I was in as a child, mm-hmm. right? I did talk about my learning as a child, but I didn't talk about how I actually felt about myself. Um, and so since leaving the classroom, since really diving deep into the work that I know that I'm here for, um, it has been an interesting conversation around that, right? I mean, I did a podcast the other day and my mom texted me and she goes, brilliant job. I just really hope you don't think we look at you as a misfit. Mm. And I'm like, maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's not about how you look at me. It's how I feel. And so we had this whole conversation about it afterwards. And I'm excited for her to hear this podcast as well, because, you know, it's, the more we can have conversations, whether or not they are easy, whether or not they are uncomfortable, whether or not they are vulnerable, whether or not they are cut and dry, it is so critical to ask questions and to be curious because I know my mom does not want me to feel like I don't belong. But at the same time, that's not her job anymore. It's now my job to make sure I feel like I belong. How am I feeling in my body? Am I doing what drives my passion? Am I doing what I love? And because I didn't have those kinds of conversations with other people, with certain people in my life growing up, they're now hearing about it now. And the more we actually are open to having the conversations, to diving into the spaces that were scary for us, the richer our connections can be. The rich connection is the, my relationship with my parents has grown exponent. My siblings and I, it's exponential. Like the, they used to think that I was just this whimsical person coming up with all these ideas and floating around and taking kids on field trips and doing, you know, rapid fire, all these like things. But I helped my older brother during COVID with his kids and they saw me in action working and they're like, oh my God, now we get it. We have a structure in place. You do the structure, we follow what you say, the world changes. (laughs) And it's not that I have a magic wand. It's that we are so quick to bypass the emotional state. We're so quick to bypass the critical piece of our life to get to the end shining object that the shiny object means nothing. Right. And so that is the impact. And I am grateful every day because I get to actually show up and be my authentic self. And I don't apologize for it anymore. Hmm. It's so powerful to not have to apologize for that or not feel like you are holding back anything um, that you're having there. And I also love, which is a great transition. You said it's not my mom's job anymore to help myself feel belonging, which means also at some point it was right. It was our parents' job at some point to help us feel like we had a safe place to go 
we had a place that we belonged. And then there's this transition, this, this childhood to adulthood phase. Mm -hmm. And when I'm working with families in the 6570, those 6,570 days that were at, that your child is at home around, you know, um, we don't kick them out on, you know, the, the day after, but you know, it is during that time that we are handing them over. And so what I find so critical is that there is that transfer of power, if you will, power over yourself. And if you don't teach them how to do it at home, then on, you know, that next day when they're out of the house, they're going to be like, well, this is mom's job to make me feel belonging and mom and dad and mom and dad aren't here. And so therefore I don't feel belonging. Therefore I am lost and everything. And I, I find that so interesting because a lot of people are, are a lot of families today. And I think we're kind of indoctrinated into this. Like you are there everything until you, they leave, but then there's no teaching there. There's no teaching of how they can live independently on their own and be in charge of that emotional side of themselves. And I 100% agree that your emotional state, your emotional intellect of yourself and also those around you and what is, what is happening around you is so much more important than the A on the test or the, you know, I don't know, football trophy or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, and you'll get there in a, in such a better way if you have these precursors here. So, okay. So let's break into this a little bit. Um, we were, we were chatting a little bit about homeschooling before, as many of our listeners know, I homeschool three of my kids still, I homeschooled all four of them for four years. And then, um, I've homeschooled, uh, three of them for the last three years, um, two and a half, I guess. And so with COVID happening and mm -hmm. all of us, I, I, when COVID started going down March 13th, 2020, the world shut down. And then my email box or in my, in my text and all my DMS were flooded. Cause they knew that I, people knew that I homeschooled already. And they were like, what in the world do I do? Right. But it was so interesting to me because what I wanted to do was teach people how to teach their kids. But most of the questions I was getting were what curriculum should I use? What computer do I need? Right. It was all the logistics. And that lasted not just a week or two weeks that lasted for like a year after that. And so yeah. even a year <laughs> in people were still asking logistics, like, let me just check the box instead of wait, how do I actually have success in doing this. So I would just love to know kind of your perspective and your thoughts, um, on all of this with helping our kids with emotional intelligence, um, in education, inside, outside of homeschooling, and therefore take it away. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's really important that we talk about homeschooling. Um, so just a little background on me, <laughs> speaking of March 13th. Um, 2020, I had actually, so I launched Developing Empathetic Education with Dana. It stands for DEED because I believe we're always doing deeds in the world. And I launched it and I was supposed to have my first in-person workshop that following Tuesday. So the mm. world shuts down on the 13th and my workshops are supposed to start on Tuesday. Mm. So, and to give you a little bit of background, when I was in the classroom, I believed that we learn in every facet of the world. So it's it's in parks, it's in museums, it's in 
um, you know, in coliseums, it is in the 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 big orchestra playroom. Like it's just it's everywhere. We learn everywhere. Yes. And and if we keep kids in a box, then they will be too scared to get out of that box. Yeah. So my whole philosophy on teaching is really and truly what the homeschooling premise is supposed to be. So let me just stop there. That is why I love the homeschooling philosophy because it's about real world experiences, i.e. Um, my, once my kids understood how to make base 10 in kindergarten, we would then start going to the grocery store and buying snacks because I wanted them to start understanding, well, 10 is really a dime, two nickels is 10, five pennies and a five, right? So you're working with real tangible experiences so kids can understand the real life benefit behind it, which is again, what homeschooling is supposed to be. COVID hits, everything takes a turn. I'm now, this whole vision that I have is now going to go online. I've taught online before through FaceTime um, when I'm in town or out of town or what have you. And so this is nothing new for me. Zoom was new for me and leading workshops was new for me. Building relationships and connections is my gift. It is my gift. So this was not a strain on me. What was very interesting though was how quick the idea of, oh my God, I have to homeschool my parent, my kids now. And, and actually, and I, it was almost a 40 and slip when I said parent, because the parents were also having to school themselves on, oh my God, what am I supposed to do now? Right? <laughs> yes. So here it is. The world is trying to figure out this online system. We have so much uncertainty going on in the world. If we buy something else, another curriculum, another MacBook, another fill in the blank, um, at least I have the materials, right? Like, so I, I understand why everyone was asking you all the logistics behind it. What the, the core problem though was, it's not about having more materials and it's not about having the latest technology. It's about really understanding your child as a learner. And that has been the most critical conversation that I've had with every single person that I've ever supported, partnered with in the homeschooling industry. And similar to what we were talking about earlier, if you don't know your child is the whole being and you only see your child as the academic or the emotional state or the, you know, like in just various compartments, and I'm not putting a label or a limit on it, I'm actually just stating, if I only know my child in the academic arena and I know that they really, they picked up reading really early and they understand numbers really early, that's amazing. But hold on a second. I'm going to keep nourishing that area that I know they're so unbelievably strong in, which means their deficits are serious deficits. Yes. Their emotional well-being, their social well-being, their ability to regulate, their awareness of their self, none of that is worked on. So now you have this robotic human coming in, thriving intellectually, and I'm going to use the word failure intentionally because if you don't try, you fail. So you are failing because you're not even trying to do anything in the areas that need to be fed. So that is the problem that I see with the homeschooling scenario. They have to be emotionally fed. They have to be socially fed. They have to be intellectually fed. They have to be physically fed. Like they have to, and when I say physically fed, it's not just the food, it's they have to be running around and moving their body. It's a holistic approach to learning. And that is the piece that we have to remember because homeschooling is not about another curriculum. 
And it's about, hold on a second. My child is struggling holding a pencil. Am I paying attention to that? Am I paying attention to the fact that my child is struggling holding a pencil? Am I asking someone to help me? Am I seeking out supports for my child? Am I seeking out supports for myself so I can help my child? Or am I saying, here's a crayon, it's thicker, just use that. Here's a marker, use that instead. Or just go use a computer, or just go type, or just go talk into a recorder. You don't need to type out your essay. You don't need to write your essay. Where are we putting band-aids instead of supporting? Where are we digging into the realities of what's really needed? Are we really scared to do the work in order to make sure our kids thrive? Or are we doing what's easier for us because now I'm validated, my, my kid's thriving, quote unquote. My kid's behaving, quote unquote. So my kid's thriving and everyone is validated. But at the end of the day, there's no validation because can your kid go outside and be independent? Mm. Can your child go introduce themselves to a new person on the playground or even just go play with someone on the playground that they don't know? Can your child go in to a college interview and talk about their passions and purpose without you sitting next to them? Can your child actually go off to college and not make all A's because they are committed to doing the uncomfortable, which means going to a party or going to lunch with a friend or going to a club meeting that they've always been curious about but have never had the opportunity to explore. And that's when you know whether or not we're thriving. Mm. But until we're doing all of those different components for kids, we have to be really conscientious about it. And I also wanna be very clear on this. This has to happen in real schools too. Real school meaning the four walls of a building where you go and take your kid to school, they have an educator, multiple educators, they're being assessed and aware of and all the things. It's not. Your child's getting an A, so the teacher's doing a great job. It's, okay, your child's getting an A. What, what else do I need to do for your child? Your child's already gotten an A. They've mastered this subject. Great. What else do I need to do to help and, and stretch and, and expand? And I will speak to this intentionally because before we were talking and you were talking about your daughter, how she was going to a gifted and talented school that you guys had to pay for. I started one of the most coveted gifted and talented programs in New York City on my own, not having a curriculum, not knowing what I was jumping into. I even was certified in gifted and talented because I was curious about it. And that is the word I wanna to give to all of you guys. You have to be curious. You have to live curiously in order to discover and store, in order to release the judgments on your expectations of what's supposed to happen and get curious about what is happening. That's amazing that your daughter is reading it for. Well, let's get curious about what else we need to do for her so she can holistically thrive it for, not just so you can go and tell your friends that she's reading it for. Let's look at your 18 year old and, and congratulate them and celebrate them that they got through a that they're now going off to college, that they're willing to take rapid tests every single day so they can walk into a classroom how are they emotionally feeling right now? Did you encourage them to take a mental health day and just go sit in the sun under a tree and read a book of their own choice instead of running off to join another committee for their resume? 
So we have to really look at everything instead of just making these prescribed scenarios for ourselves. And so that's really what it comes down to, the emotional intelligence, the self-awareness. It starts with the parent and it starts with how much am I overscheduling my kid? How much am I doing to make sure that I check off my own boxes as a parent? How much am I really stepping back and allowing my child to live their authentic journey for themselves? And these are questions parents are scared to ask. Very, very. And I feel like too, it's so, it's part of the, the paradigm of parenting is that we were raised in a different era with different ideals of what parenting was than today. I mean, and this has been going on since parenting began. Right. And so I think about, you know, me, I grew up in the eighties and it was very different than in the eighties, huge because it was pre-internet, right. And Mm -hmm. pre-social media, if you wanted someone, you know, someone you had to call the home phone in order to have a conversation with your voice. Right. And then it is just so much different today and helping them. So uh, helping parents learn alongside their children as they're learning, that's what takes so much vulnerability too, right? Yes, 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 yes. And human connection is human connection, whether it is you know, through a text or through a phone call or face-to-face. And so no matter what your kid is going through, you have a story, you have something in your past that you can bring to light and just be like, I can understand this feeling that you're having and really step into that, right? Not sympathy, but empathy, really step into that with them and go through it, go through it with them. And, and it will help you more understand too. So it's really important that you share that because I think, um, I use Halloween as the easiest frame of reference. I actually truly don't like Halloween. Um, and, and, and it's not about the costumes. It's about the masks, Mm. masks and, and paint on the face. It's, it just scares me. It's like, what's behind there? Why are you too scared to show me what's happening? And that is me being an empath. That is me feeling the world so deeply. And that's also me knowing my work and my passion and myself so richly. All that being said, it's easy for me to, to share this point referencing Halloween. We love Halloween. Why? Because we get to put on a costume and be someone else. Yeah. Why? Because we get to hide and armor up in a whole new way, in a whole new suit. And we don't have to be the person that you see on a regular. The more that we can take off the costumes, the more we can disarm and let our emotions flow and show our kids that we feel emotion, anger, rage, joy, sadness, empathy, compassion, the more the children will too. So that when they get to the boardroom, they're not having to learn all of these skills that they needed to learn in the playroom. Yes. And that is the disconnect. The connection with your child is the most essential connection you can ever have. When we think about a baby in the womb, how is it thriving? Through the umbilical cord. 
It is the bridge. When the baby comes into the world, the bridge is cut, physically cut. It is now our emotional commitment, social commitment to keep that bridge intact. And one of my favorite invitations that parents ask me to help with are having the uncomfortable conversations. How do I get back to my child? How do I really understand what they're going through right now? And we don't get to use the pandemic as an excuse yeah. because the amount of people that went from, oh my God, this is so scary, I hate my life, to it's actually really nice not to be so overscheduled, to overscheduling again. Yeah. The amount of conversations that I've had to have from September of 2021 until December 31st of 2021 about stop overscheduling your kids. Yeah. Why do you think they're having breakdowns again? Why do you think you're discovering that they're drinking more in high school? Why do you think your daughter came home and told you that her best friend started smoking pot in ninth grade on a regular basis? We've got to really get back down to brass tacks. What are we doing to feed the anxiety? And it's overscheduling. It's not having the conversations. And it's the pressurizing that we're consistently going and going and going and going. And that is the one lesson the pandemic was intended to teach us. It was intended to teach us not to socially distant, not to social distance. It was taught to teach us to physically distant ourselves from other people and socially gather, socially come back together through Zoom, speaking of technology, through Zoom, through FaceTime, through texting, through any modality that you possibly can have so you can build that rich connection. Because without the connection, why are we even here? What is our purpose? And that piece has to be remembered. No, exactly. Exactly. And you you touched on a couple of things in there, but before we um, close out today, I really want to dive in on the whole no labels thing, because yeah. uh, I feel like this is so, so, so huge. And it weighs so much on my heart that every kid today, I feel like feels that they have to have a label, which is so weird because you're reading out there. Um, don't label me. Don't label me. By the way, I'm this label. What label are you? And it's like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? I love this conversation. I actually, I had this conversation with so many, so many, and it's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. So here's a funny story for you. So yes, I'm hyper. Yes. I'm late to a lot of things. Yes. My mind can drift off. Those are interesting if you want to look at it and start making a list, okay? So here it is, why am I thriving as a kindergarten teacher? Because I'm with kindergartners that have a little bit less energy than me. So I am <laughs> thriving. We are going on anywhere from 60 to 80 field trips a year. We're running around New York City. We're running around wherever we're going. I'm getting back to school at 2.39, school ends at 2.40, the kids are exhausted, but I'm okay, I'm still like running around because I am, they're my quote unquote medicine. Mm. I did not find out, I was not actually diagnosed with ADHD until three weeks before I left the classroom in 2018 in June. Mm. Okay, so how comical is this? So I'm going, I went to go and have um, a medicine check because I, I do have anxiety and my therapist was like, and I was dealing with severe IBS and she's like, I want you to go and just make sure everything is 
is copacetic if we're really taking care of all, we're checking in with all arenas, going back to self-awareness. Don't just put a Band-Aid on. Don't just slap it on with medicine and think you're okay. You've got to really stay on top of every aspect of your human self to make sure you're thriving. So I go in and I have this conversation with this psychiatrist and he's like, tell me about your learning. And within three minutes, he's like, you are so classic ADHD. I'm like, seriously, stick another post-it on me. It's totally cool. I am not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. He's like, no, no, no. I'm being serious with you. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, I always tell people I have ADHD. He's like, I'm not kidding with you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, whatever. It's my superpower. I can do so many things with it, right? So this whole time, I had never been on meds. I'd never done anything for ADHD. Now I do take medicine for ADHD and it is monitored intentionally. ADHD, I have ADHD. ADHD does not have me. Mm. I know that it is my superpower because I, if you literally, I have a gazillion markers. I have 15 colors of post-its around me. My planner is so strategic. Mm. No one else would ever understand it. Describing my desk right now. (laughs) No one would ever understand it. Why? Because I had to teach myself coping mechanisms. Mm. So what do I do now for kids? I teach them about their executive functioning button at the frontal cortex of their brain and how they can help themselves. So when we look at labels and limits, it's, I need to have a diagnosis so I know how I need to learn. I need a diagnosis so I know I can thrive. You're not gonna tell a diabetic not to go and and find out that they have diabetes and just keep giving them sugar, right? You're not going to go and give um, a a nonverbal autistic child, you're not going to go take them to the park and leave them on their own. Right. Right. We have to have these diagnoses. We have to know what is going on. We are ignorant. Ignorant is not bliss. Denial, denial is the worst medicine any of us can ever take. So when it comes down to labels and limits, you are limiting yourself, you are limiting your child by not finding out what they need. The label component is a miracle. The amount of kids that can now have speech services, the amount of kids that can now know why they're not able to hold a pencil because they need occupational therapy to build fine motor muscles in their hands. Why is my child still drooling at nine? Oh, they have low tone in their mouth. Maybe they need to go see somebody, a speech therapist to help them build up the muscles in their face, right? These diagnoses are intentional. They are not to limit you. They are to empower you. They are to be your powerful source to know exactly what you personally need in order to thrive. The diagnosis is a seed. If you want to water it as a label, that's your responsibility to pay attention to why. Mm. As a parent, as an educator, it is an excuse. It is an excuse and it is an excuse. I no longer will, I tell people, thank you for waiting for me if I'm a few minutes late. I tell people, thank you. I got lost, I was completely focused on a task. I'm not apologizing. I'm letting you know that if the time still doesn't work for you, I totally get it, can we make another date? Yesterday, I had a phone date, like literally a phone date with a friend that we had to book three weeks ago, okay? 
I'm talking to this man about diversity, equity, inclusion, because my passion in the world is to create an accessible space for all to feel included, accessible, and a rich sense of belonging. The world's diverse. It's always going to be diverse. That's what it is. I'm a trailblazer in what I'm doing. No one's doing it for children. They're only doing it for high schoolers, grad students, college, and into the workspace. Why are we starting there? It makes no sense. We need to be doing it younger. That is what I do. I'm so excited about this conversation I'm having with this man yesterday that I was literally, my girlfriend te texted me twice. Are you coming on? Are, are we having our date? And I was like, okay, I really got to go. Because the conversation was so amazing yesterday. I looked at the guy and I was like, I'm on fire right now. Can I talk to you tomorrow? And so we talked this morning before, before our podcast. And I literally, he's like, okay, so, so he's an hour behind. So he's like, so I'll see you at 9.30. I was like, no, because that's 10.30 my time. And I have to be on the third 11. If we talk so much yesterday, I know we're going to talk so much more tomorrow, right? Be mindful. Be mindful right. of what your needs are. And that's where we diminish the labels and limits and celebrate ourselves as the powerhouses that we are meant to be. Love it. Yeah. You, you're just adding to your toolbox, right? You know what project you're building then, and you can add to your toolbox accordingly after that. Yeah. And if I may also offer this to parents, it's really important that you honor yourself and know that you have done nothing wrong. When a child comes out with a learning difference, it's not because you did something wrong. It's not because your DNA is screwed up. It's because it's life. It was meant to be. And there's a learning process through this. And you are all going to grow stronger together. If you look at it as it happening for us, for us, instead of to us, get yourself out of the victim mode and get yourself into the powerhouse, thriving human that you are. Be the thought leader, be the creative leader, be the human that you want to be. Because the more you as parents do that, the more your children will freely do it. And that's the scariest part. You're as parents, I've watched so quickly, again, going back to, you know, the conversation about my mom, I, I could feel it in my heart as she, like, I felt her thinking that she had done something wrong. She did the best that she could. My parents did the absolute best that they could. They still do the absolute best that they can. You know, I mean, my dad's like, do you need some money? I'm like, no, I'm good. Are you sure? Like, I mean, it's like I'm in college, right? And I'm like, Yes, sometimes I talk really fast, like I was just a minute ago, because I get so excited and I'm so passionate about my work. And then I slow down and I really sit in what I'm saying. And I really hope that your listeners will sit in what I'm sharing right now. As parents, your job is to create a safe, healthy environment for your child to thrive. And if you personally are not taking care of yourself, if you personally are not taking a time out for yourself to go for a walk, to go outside and scream because you've got this like rage inside and you just need to get it out of your body, for you not to have a glass of wine with your friends, for you to completely disconnect from everyone else because you think your children are the only focal point in your life aside from your job, you're only hurting yourself. Because what happens? on 6,751. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I could, I, I could have this be a four hour podcast. I really could. <laughs> 
um, and hopefully we'll get together and we will definitely talk again and teach together again. Um, but I just want to thank you for being on here. I have taken copious notes and, uh, just for my own self and our own family. And, um, I'm so glad that you are working in the children and family sector in all of these important topics. And it's just, it's an honor to uh, be sitting with you today and be able to have this conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us real quick where everyone can find you? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to thank you um, because it's, it's creating platforms like what you're doing um, for experts like myself to come on and really share how we can shift the paradigm. Instead of talking about the problem, we give actionable steps. And the more action we take, the better our world's going to be. So I really want to thank you for inviting me to come on. Now, you can find me on um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on, I have my own website, davidkaplanteach.com. I'm also on social media, um, on Instagram. You can find me there and on Facebook. And um, yeah, I'm all over the world, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all today? Aren't we all today? I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again for having us on listeners, uh, parent or uh, family architects um, that are listening. You are building the beginning of someone else's life. That is what we are doing as parents. And we are doing the best we can with what we have. And the more we know, the more we can put into action and be better for it. So thank you again for being on. Thank you listeners for listening. And I will check in and see you next week. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design, and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days, and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, NellieHarden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you love the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.